Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Strike Oppose Photo Booths podcast. This is Jim coming to you from the secret location under the train station. How is everyone doing this week? The answer should be great. I trust you're doing well, knocking it out, getting out there, making things happen. This week, we are going to talk about camera jargon, the terminology that relates to your camera, uh, specifically some things that you're going to need to know to familiarize yourself with the camera and how it works with your booth so that you can make some changes if necessary during uh, an event because of lighting changes, burnt out bulbs, things like that. Before we begin, I want to make a small announcement. We are doing a giveaway this week. So with listening to this episode, when you're done, send us an email at podcast at sappb.com and give us your thoughts, some questions, uh, whatever's going on in your head after hearing this. What we're going to do is towards the end of the week, we are going to pick a winner who will receive on us a free copy of Tom Ang's Digital Photography Essentials. Now, that's the book I've mentioned in the last couple episodes. We have a link to it on our episode descriptions, and we're going to give one of those away to one lucky listener. But before we get into everything, I'm going to take a moment and tell you a little bit about my own photography experience. We're going to roll the clock back to 1977. I was eight years old. And I got my first camera at a Goodwill store. It was a 1964 Canon FX camera. It had the original 50 millimeter stock lens with a massive crack in it. And I was able to swoop this thing up for 10 bucks. Of course, you know, it was a film camera. Back then, digital wasn't even a conversation. Basically, picked up a hobby and got real fascinated with it. Uh, Learned to develop my own film. As time went on, uh, studied more about photography eventually going to school for it, and uh, shot weddings, catalog shoots, commercial shoots, event coverage, uh, my own art exhibitions, and of course portraits, school portraits, senior portraits, professional portraits, family portraits, and kept that up until about 2003 when I made the very cautious move to digital. It was about then that things were In the digital world, uh, catching up to film where the quality was passable. For a long time, I shot both. There was one point in the early 2000s that I was nearly selected to be third camera for a National Geographic uh, coverage piece in Tanzania. Didn't quite get to make that one. Things came up and wasn't able to do that particular assignment. I still shoot black and white film. I uh, do that on a 1975 Nikromat FT2, wonderful little camera. And basically up to a couple years ago, I uh, was still doing the weddings and the event coverage and the catalog shoots. Uh, basically put photography aside in lieu of other things to spend my time on. Though I do still shoot my, my own art projects and uh, do have a few exhibitions now and again. Now, before we get going, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about DSLRs. And, well, a DSLR is a digital single-lens reflex camera. A single-lens reflex camera basically means that when you look through the viewfinder, you're looking through the lens because of a mirror that's angled to reflect the image up from the lens into the eyepiece. And there's a pentaprism in there that makes it look upright. DSLR is just a digital version of that. It's just a digital camera using the same uh, viewing method. If you recall some older cameras from way back, uh, particularly the old Kodak uh, point-and-shoot, 
didn't really have a viewfinder so much as just a hole in the left or right of the camera, and you just peer through it to make sure that you were pointing in the right direction. Couldn't see the zoom, couldn't see a lot of things. It was just literally a hole in the camera, maybe slightly magnified. So the SLR system allows you to look through the viewfinder and you're seeing what exactly the lens is seeing. And as you zoom, you can see the zoom and so forth. Now the question comes up now and again, why do we use a DSLR camera in the booth rather than something like a webcam or a much smaller camera, not even a point and shoot, much smaller than that? Basically a couple reasons. Number one, with an SLR system, you have more control over your lens options, number one. You can very easily change out the lens. So if you want something that's gonna zoom in even more, so say you want a booth that's even further away from folks, but you want a tighter picture, you can get a zoom lens. Uh, you can get a fisheye lens, a wide angle lens. Uh, these are things we're gonna talk about later on uh, in another podcast, but it gives you the flexibility to be creative. And this particular model of camera, the T-series, starting with the uh, T3s all the way up now to the T6s, and including the SL1, these cameras are what are in, called in the prosumer range. So you have your consumer cameras, which are generally point-and-shoots, and then you have your really high-end cameras that are anywhere from six to $10,000 just for the body. Now, those high-end cameras have an enormous amount of controls. You can control every aspect of the camera. And we're gonna talk about those terms and what that control is in just a bit. With something like a webcam, you can't do that. And we don't need a $10,000 camera in the booth. So these prosumer cameras are for people who like photography, want to get into the, the, the aspects of photography uh, more than just point and shoot. So it, they've created this kind of model to give you that control. So it's nearly professionals. That's why they call it prosumer. Now, as a professional, I still shoot with my Nikon D70S and that camera I bought in 2003. Um, I love it. It does the trick. doesn't have the megapixels that even my iPhone has today, but it's a camera and I think it works fantastic and I just love it. So that's why we use the DSLR camera. Webcams, you can't get that kind of control. Smaller, uh, almost like USB cameras, they just don't give you the ability to control the elements of the camera that can give you a really good picture. Let's dive right in and talk about those elements. Now, the camera has three very primary important controls, and that is the aperture, the shutter, and what's called the ISO spinning, sit, uh, excuse me, the ISO setting, which is in the old days referred to film speed, how sensitive the film was to light. So we're gonna talk with these three because these are three primary settings that you work with in darkroom. Now the aperture is in darkroom in Canon, it's referred to on the camera as the AV setting. Okay, so that's your aperture setting. In photography, we refer to that sometimes as an f-stop. And what an aperture is, is it's the opening in the lens that lets light through. And aperture is measured in numbers. If you look at your darkroom settings, you're going to see that your AV or aperture setting is set to 5.6. Now that's on a scale of, we begin at 1.4. And what that means is the opening in the lens is very wide. It's wide open. And that's going to let in the most amount of light. And you can go all the way down to F32, which is essentially a pinhole size amount of light. 
And you might be asking, okay, so why do we go from wide open to almost nothing? Well, depending on how much light is coming in through the aperture, uh, landing on the image sensor or in the old days film, that would dictate how fast the shutter speed needed to be in order to get a good picture. Now, when we pick a uh, aperture setting or an f-stop, what we're doing is we're talking about something called a focal plane. And what that means is a focal plane describes the depth of focus or depth of field. So if I'm focusing on somebody's nose tip and I have a very low aperture, meaning like 1.4 wide open, what's going to happen is in order for the camera to take a decent picture, the shutter is going to have to open and close really fast and because there's a lot of light coming in. And it's not going to get a concentrated amount of light bouncing off of the subject. So what's going to happen is their nose will be in focus. Their eyes may be in focus. If they're like me and they got a bit of a schnoz on them, eyes are going to start to get blurry. Ears will be blurry and then everything behind them will be almost indistinguishable. Because the plane of focus is very short. It's like right where you focus on. That nose tip, that's about the only thing guaranteed to be in focus. Now, when I would shoot landscape photography, what I would do is I would choose an aperture or f-stop of f32. That, that pinhole that we talked about, almost no light's coming in. So what that means is the shutter can stay open longer, and in that time, the light that is coming through is so concentrated, it gives incredible detail because it's allowing the light to come through slowly enough where all the little details come into focus. So when I would do shots of, say, like the Grand Canyon or Monument Valley, I don't want just what's in front of me. I want miles and miles of crisp, clear focus. So going to that F32 means that the shutter is going to stay open long enough to let that concentrated light give me all the details I need. Now in the booth, we have a 5.6 aperture. And what that is, is that's a low end setting for portraits because of the close proximity with the canopy or even doing an open booth. A 5.6 will give you a plane of focus that you can focus on the subject. Someone can be behind them. Someone can be in front of them and they will all be in focus. So that's why we choose that number. It allows for faster shutter speeds and it also gives us really good detail. Now the aperture, once you set it, this is generally not a setting that you want to change to make pictures brighter or darker. As a photographer, I usually set my depth of focus. That's the focus plane that I want. I want this much in focus, that much out of focus when I take the picture. So that aperture setting will stay. The real adjustments come with mostly the shutter. Now in darkroom, the shutter is represented in the software by Canon as TV, big T, little V. Don't know why they chose that, but they did. And the shutter, again, is basically a curtain that rests over the image sensor or the old days uh, your film and when you push the button that slides out of the way and then slides back into place to allow an exposure of light for x number of well fraction of a second when we look at the setting in darkroom generally it's at 1 over 125 so that fraction means 1 125th of a second that works in conjunction with the lighting we have in the canopy and the f-stop of 5.6 for your aperture. Now the number scale in measuring shutter speed basically goes like this. The smaller the number, the brighter the picture. So if I move my shutter speed down to say one over 25, one 25th of a second. With the booth setup, 
what's going to happen is I'm going to take a picture and that shutter is going to stay open so long, way too much light's going to get in there and it's going to come out looking almost pure white. The higher the number goes, so if I moved it to 1 over 800, would be 1 800th of a second. That picture is going to be really dark. Higher, darker, lower, lighter. Now understanding how these two settings work together, what your aperture and what the shutter speed is, really going to depend on your lighting situation. Like I said, in the canopy, we have a fixed light. So using a light meter, we can tell, okay, at 5.6, we need to have our shutter speed set to 1 over 125 so that it takes the best picture. Now, the third and last important element in this is the ISO. Now, the ISO, some people call it ISO, the ISO stands for International Standards Organization. This is from way back in the days of film. And again, film had a speed rating, which basically meant how sensitive is it to light. A film with an ISO rating of, say, 6400, was extremely sensitive to light. You had to be very careful. Generally, that kind of thing was used for nighttime pictures, uh, very dark circumstances. An ISO of 100 would be good for a broad daylight picture. Uh, working with film in that setting uh, can take a lot of light. You can take some really good pictures. It's not sensitive. So you can increase the uh, shutter exposure to get better pictures with that kind of ISO. Now, digital cameras have an image sensor, and the image sensor runs basically on ISO. You tell it, when we set it to ISO of 800, we are dictating to the sensor how sensitive it needs to be. Now, for the most part, with the booth, the software and the camera working together, and the settings that we have, those three settings are the core of what gives you uh, great pictures. And there are moments when those settings aren't quite going to work out. When you have an event outdoors, if it's the canopy, it can still be affected by sunlight coming through the white uh, curtain doors. And especially if you're doing an open booth, uh, broad daylight has a whole different set of rules. And to that end, I am going to give you some settings to better position yourself taking pictures outdoors. For an open booth outdoors, there is what in photography is called the F16 rule. And that means you set your aperture, your AV setting at 16, and you choose your ISO setting. So I'm going to say go ahead and set it to 400. And then for your shutter speed, what you're going to do is you're going to change that to 1 over whatever the ISO is. In this case, if you set your ISO to 400, your TV setting in the software on the camera tab should read 1 over 400. This is a general rule to start dealing with uh, sunlight. Now, I don't know if it's going to be spot on. I don't know if it's going to be a little darker, a little brighter, because every, you know, every situation is different. So, but starting with those settings, what you're going to do is work with the shutter. So you started at 1 over 400. If it's too bright, then go higher, 1 over 800, 1 over 1,000. Go down if it's too dark. If you take the picture, and even in broad daylight, you're like, oh, looking a little grim. So go from 1 400, go down to 1 over 250, 1 over 200, 1 over 160, and so on, until you get the right exposure for that particular situation. Now, in the canopy, it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to leave the, the aperture. We're still going to leave the AV setting at 5.6. You're going to bring the ISO down to 800. 
for the canopy use, it's set to 3200. So let's go ahead and bring that down to 800. And your shutter speed start at 1 over 250. Take some test shots and move that shutter speed up or down to make it brighter or darker. So if your test shot is too dark, move it down to 1 over 200, 1 over 160, 1 over 125, so on, until it's bright enough. If the test shot is too bright, go the opposite direction, go upwards from 1 over 250 to faster speeds, 1 over 400, and so on, until you get the right exposure for that particular situation. Knowing these initial settings is going to be very valuable to you because the one thing about working outdoors is light changes. So if you are doing an event and it is, say, 4.30 in the afternoon, it's a two-hour event, by 6.30, the sun's going to change position on the horizon. Its brightness is going to vary. Uh, depending on where you are, if there's buildings, trees, things like that, there might be shade, shadows from buildings, things like that, that are going to affect your lighting. So knowing where to make these adjustments, when the picture starts getting a little darker, you know to go to your shutter and lower it. So if you're at 1 over 250 and things have been great up until just now, well, drop it down to 1 over 200 for your shutter speed, your TV setting. Picture's going to be bright again until another hour goes by and the sun fades even more, then go ahead and lower it again. So you can see how these three settings working together, once you know and understand what they do, and how they work together, it's going to make your pictures so much better given almost any situation you can run into. You'll know where to go into the camera to make a change to make it brighter or darker, whatever you need to do. And it should give you a level of confidence knowing these things. And, you know, by all means, play with it. Listen to this podcast again. Re-listen to this particular piece of it and practice with your booth. Make pictures dark. Make pictures bright. You know, don't waste prints. Turn off printing in darkroom. But have fun with it. I mean, it's the whole thing of photography. And while it is a photo booth, it still has a wonderful camera. And the more you can play with the photographic capabilities, not only does this give you a level of mastery, but it's also going to open you up to a level of creativity and thought on how to expand your booth and uh, expand your offerings and so on. Now, usually at the end of an episode, i uh, talk a little bit about darkroom. Not going to do that this time. Uh, what I am going to do is just mention a couple items that you can pick up to bring with you to have on hand. So should you run into a couple uh, technical issues with the camera, you can easily deal with them. The very first thing I'm going to mention is the AC adapter. The camera, when you get it, has the AC adapter installed in it. So it's plugged in, and that's what gives it continuous power. You do not want to try and run a booth um, with the camera running off of its own battery, that's not going to last you very long. You'll be lucky to get about 45 minutes, if that, on a busy night. So it has the AC adapter, and it's a good idea to pick up an extra one. AC adapters short out. Uh, again, you know, there's warranty, but in the moment that it happens, if an AC adapter gives out, doesn't matter if it's covered, because it's going to take a week, two weeks to get it sent in, get the new one back in. That's not going to help you in the next five minutes. So the best thing to do is to be able to just swap out the old one with the new one and keep going through the night. Depending on the camera model that you have, uh, there's a couple of adapters that work with Canon. Uh, what I would say is if you want to pick up an extra adapter, go ahead and send us a note. Uh, go ahead and give us a call, particularly talk to Shane. Shane will be happy to get you hooked up with a new adapter. Again, our phone number is 888 332 1299. 
option three to get to Shane. So you can get one of those ordered if you want to get one. Another thing you should have with you are lens wipes. And by that, I mean just a microfiber cloth. Same kind of cloth you get to clean your computer screen, your iPhone, your Android phone, your tablets, whatever. The one thing you don't want to do is get what is actually called a lens tissue. Uh, long story short, after decades of using all different kinds of these, all they do is just leave lint all over the lens, and that's not what you want. So microfiber cloths are much better. And this is for if you get a you know fingerprint on the lens, uh, some kind of a smudge, any kind of raindrop or anything. It's always good to give the lens a wipe down to remove any buildup dust uh, because, you know, the little dust speckles can show up in a picture and it might drive you nuts wondering where, what's wrong with this photo, where's this thing coming from. So keeping the lens clean with a microfiber cloth uh, will help you maintain the equipment. When you're cleaning a lens, do it in circular motions. Don't just go back and forth and up and down. Uh, I usually start at the outside and work my way towards the middle just to give it a good wipe. And lastly, the one thing you're going to want is an extra USB cable. Uh, if you're not sure what kind your camera has, go ahead and remove the cable from the camera and uh, unplug it from the camera, unplug it from the computer, take it into pretty much any store that sells USB cables and tell them this is what I'm looking for and you can get a spare. USB cables are ridiculously cheap and they're the lowest element of technology in the booth. However, it's a cable, which means it has, you know, it has metal and current and data travels through it at some point who knows i've had cables just go out for no reason whatsoever even though i'm not plugging and unplugging them over and over uh, so if that happens a four dollar usb cable could make the difference between uh, having to close up at an event early or being able to power through the night and again you can get these anywhere that usb cables are you can get them at target walmart uh, best buy uh, depending where you live whatever electronic stores are available uh, just take the cable in with you and have them uh, match it up for you. Keep these things in the booth and everything will be great. All right, that is going to wrap us up for this week. Uh, a little bit longer uh, this episode, has a little bit more to talk about. Can't really condense it too much. I want to remind everyone again, the giveaway of Tom Ang's photography book from Amazon, Digital Photography Essentials. It's a wonderful book, uh, probably a bit more information than you're going to apply to uh, using the photo booth, but it's all wonderful stuff to know. To have a chance to get a free copy of this book, just send us an email at podcast at sappb.com. Again, that's podcast at sappb.com. In that email, just give us your thoughts, questions, things you want to hear about, uh, things you want to hear about again, anything like that. We'd love to hear from you. So looking forward to those emails and looking forward to talking to you again next week. For now, though, this is Jim, the tech manager, Strike Pose Photo Booths, saying to you, happy boothing, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Mm -hmm.